Today's conversation is with Devin Halliday, and this is the Talent the Human podcast. Gary B tweeted on Twitter saying, hey, I really need help on YouTube. Please email me. They ended up offering me a job to work as a YouTube analyst on Team Gary. Or in control of you. What you learned is not about you. Focusing on reflection for the past couple of years, it's really incredible because you're able to see benchmarks in your own time. For me, I just joined it out of time because I was just worried. The thing that's relatively fast right now is because I was watching. You don't need universities anymore. I totally believe it. Like, are you interested in it? Are you passionate about it? Are you excited about it? Have you explored yourself enough to know? Is entrepreneurship something you're cut out for? We are chatting today with Devin Holiday. Um, Devin is the author of the book, Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profit. Devin is um, coming to us today from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the United States, and he is also the chief belonging officer um, you know, for his business. And uh, I, I actually believe that this is a, a position that we should all, all hold in our lives, belonging officer. The reason why is because understanding that no matter what, no matter how we are, how talented, how lack of talent, how special or non-special we are, we have a place and we belong in, you know, within ourselves and understanding that is very important. So with that, I want to welcome to the show officially, Mr. Devin Holiday. Sir, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay, thanks so much, man. It's awesome to be here. I really appreciate it. And everybody listening, thanks for giving us the gift of your time. This is cool. No, thank you for also giving us the gift of your time. I know you, you know, you run a podcast. I, I run mine in a very unorthodox way. My intros are a little bit of a mix. But, uh, um, so I, I, I record, um, and this is a new decision too. So we're recording our pre-conversation that we just had and uh, we're mashing it all together in you know, little bits and pieces um, to kind of get context and then the audio and a little production thing kind of like on the... Uh, <laughs> on the Masters of Scale uh, podcast from, from this sounds super professional is what this sounds like to me. <laughs> I, I I am a bit of a perfectionist, so um, I love it. So Kevin, um, one thing, so belonging. Um, I think that 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 word strikes me as as something that we all need to have um, a sense of belonging. Um, from from when we're very young to you know, when we're old and and, and, and gray. Um, actually, I should say old and great. Yeah. So when we old and great, I love that old and yeah. great. Yes, I, I just yeah. Because uh, I'm I I'm feeling a little old and great. Oh no, right really now. too. Like, trust me. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, my, uh, my beard is showing so much more gray than it ever used to. It's 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 showing great is what it is. I love no, and, it. And and wisdom. I call them wisdom hairs. Oh, uh, yeah, that's why they're whiskers. That's. Yeah. W- Wisdom. Yeah. yeah. The white ones are the, you it. know, how much, how wise you're getting, you know, from Gandalf the wise. You know? I love it. Yeah. So I'm on my um, way. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, me too. Uh, but anyway, um, I wanted to, um, to ask you um, how does not understanding where we belong affect us mentally? Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I would say that mental and emotional health are two of the uh, unfortunately, least talked about, you know, subjects kind of publicly. There's a lot of stigma around it globally. Uh, it doesn't really matter the community or culture that you're in. So 
knowing where your place is, who your people are that you can trust, who those people are that you can be authentic and yourself and not have to put on a front, um, that's reassuring. That's fulfilling. That means that you're able to be who you are and you're not spending your time worrying whether or not you're affecting or offending somebody and you're not spending your time guarding yourself and, and packing yourself away and putting up these, these walls to, to you know, protect yourself from the unknown. Not, not that the world around you may, may be necessarily you know, trying to get you, but it's just an unknown quantity, which can be very anxiety provoking for, for a lot of folks. And you know, I, 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 the way I talk about this is not to think of this as you know, that, that big fear that, that makes you a recluse or something like that, but really uh, it's, a, it's about finding that ability to just be yourself and around people who allow you to be yourself and in cultures that allow you to be yourself because that's when your best comes forward, your best emotional health and mental health comes forward, your best innovation, whether that's in business or in how you handle your life. So by not having that sense of belonging, the fundamentals are missing. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of community and there's a lack of collaborative or cooperative effort. And I would argue that, I mean, who am I? Matt Maslow and his hierarchy of needs hit this way, way before I did. That sense of, of aligned purpose and shared purpose and trust and, and belonging, community, tribe, that is a requirement of those big basic elements of, of human survival and human need. And so the danger is when you don't have that, you risk so much exposure to the negativity uh, or the negative effects that um, mental health can have or by feeling like you're an outsider or an other um, can have. Yeah, no, that's, um, <clears throat> that's actually um, very, very true. I, I've always been... I've always been the kind of person that, you know, even growing up, you know, very well known by some people around my, you know, in my circles, and also someone that kept that circle of like close friends really, really mm -hmm. tightly tightly knit. Um, I've never had more than than a handful of like really good friends, and uh, um, but I also have more than a handful of great friends around the world because I have built friendships at stages in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and in different stages in my life, some people have had, you know, to be more involved with who I am and what I am and who, you know, what I'm doing. Sure. And then, you know, eventually as I move to something else and they move to something else, um, you know, we drift a little and then new people come in that that kind of like make more sense to yeah that's that's the natural evolution exactly so i've um i've always been mindful to to give those people that come into my life and to make them and make myself feel that, that we are part of something that 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 brings togetherness and and that you know um pushes everyone within the group to excel at a high level and um, and yeah, that, could be, I mean, one of that the, could be business or, or, or personal per, life, per, you know? 
yeah per personal just fulfillment even right mm -hmm. um it could could be something as simple you know for me as a musician sometimes it's just as simple as getting together with other musicians and playing together as opposed to you know putting on my headphones and and playing by myself it's it's that idea of when you are in community um with people who share about the values you share and you have a aligned purpose and that's a that's a core tenet for me in creating not just feeling belonging but then making belonging matter is there a shared purpose something that everybody is working towards who's in that community or in that group um and even if you have different ideological backgrounds of a lot of other things uh like say a workplace it you know you don't get to choose who your coworkers are the the company hired the the folks that you work around that doesn't mean that you can't feel that sense of belonging and find that shared purpose. I mean, intrinsically, there's already a built-in shared purpose and that's to be productive and make money for your company, right? I mean, that's kind of why yeah. they employ you, but, but something a little deeper than that. So to, you know, maybe it's the team wants to be recognized as, you know, a, a team that, that, that empowers the community that they serve. And so while they're doing their work, they also have the shared purpose of doing some volunteerism or something else that's that's helping their community. And that feeds so much more than the individual sense of belonging that feeds the collaborative effort, right? The rising tide lifts all boats, both personally, mental health, emotional health, but also professionally in what you're accomplishing. I mean, it's it's such an important tenet of life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you talk about the work stuff, that's why I actually decided to be the boss. Because now I can decide who the people are. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's, I, I mean, you know, heavy, I always, wears the crown, man. That's a yeah. big, big uh, responsibility to, to form yeah. teams so, that advance a mission. Yeah. I, um, I always, uh, I, I've always been good. You know, when I have my, my regular nine to fives, I've always been good. And, and uh, building the relationships with the people around me, at, you know, when I work, because um, I think it's so, you know, like you said, it's important, it's absolutely relevant to, to even to our productivity, you know, like, mm -hmm. if you're not gelling together as a group, then you, you kind of miss on, on the things that, that, you know, that make the progress happen. Yeah, I mean, one of the most common things you miss is when when you're not gelling together, there are people who dominate conversations and direction. And then there yeah. are people who who feel apprehensive, scared, or like they can't because they just don't have a voice to be able to share something that could be the most amazing innovation that's going to push you forward in such a phenomenal way. Um, and And unfortunately, you don't get that because there isn't that sense of trust and tribe and community or or that that sense of belonging, as I talk yeah. about in the book. yeah, no, and 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 you're absolutely true. Um, uh, absolutely right on that. I let me ask you a question. Um, yeah, in the book and and in the way that um, that you presented, I, I haven't really you know had the opportunity to 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 read and um, and to go over the uh, the <laughs> the the book, um, but um, tell me a little bit about why you you know you wrote it and 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 what prompted you to 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 dive into to that sense of belonging and 
Yeah, you know, so there's a story I talked about in the book, which uh, you know, I was raised in Northern California here in the U.S. And so the 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 kind of stereotype about Northern California, it's progressive, it's liberal, you know, it's a uh, it it has those characteristics of all the people in there, and and I would say that's kind of right. I mean, going back to the 1960s, the, that was the hippie yeah. epicenter, right? Uh, and so, so I was raised with kind of this idea of I didn't see color or gender or race or any of these things really growing up uh, because I wasn't raised that those were differences that I should be paying attention to in some way. Yeah, and, and you know, certainly there were people around me that maybe were that way but it, it like I just thought it it was it didn't make sense and so uh, so we had groups of of friends and classmates and everything else growing up that, that were from every possible cross-section you can imagine of life and we worked together collaborated together played together did everything and so then fast forward I get um, you know uh, into a place where I decided I was going to join the military and I joined the U.S. Navy and you know, the Top Gun and the Blue Angels were the greatest recruiting tools ever. Let me take a moment here and and thank you for your service. Oh yeah, um, man. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, in, in whatever uh, in whatever uh, capacity you did, um, you know, you served. Um, I appreciate that because um, it it takes courage, and uh, I've I've witnessed you know firsthand from from friends that have served. You know the you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of 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 um, of doing that sacrifice. So thank you. Yeah, man, I appreciate. It. Yeah, certainly all three of those exist: the good, the bad, and the ugly, no doubt. But uh, you know, so I, I I was fortunate though um, in that uh, you know, like I said, Top, Top Gun, Blue Angels, greatest recruiting tool ever because I wanted to be in aviation. I wanted to live on an aircraft carrier and airplanes, and that's what I got to do. So like, how how fantastic was that? It was like a dream come true. Well, I'm in boot camp and um they're, they're selecting this is early on they're selecting one of the boot camp recruits to be like the recruit leader of our division and i had a little experience in kind of the boy scouts of the navy it's called sea cadets i was in that when i was a teenager and so they selected me to be the the leader and um i was excited i thought it was great you know and i and i got to do that well, in getting to know over the subsequent weeks all of the members of my division, I learned that um, there was this gentleman who not only was he uh, in longer and a higher rank in the sea cadets than me, so he had more experience and more rank. Um, he also was far superior in his physical fitness to me at that time to where we were at. Um, so he was kind of like what I would say is based on all the examples that they laid out for us that they were looking for. He was the guy. Well, um, he was also of Mexican descent. And our recruit um, commanders who were in charge of selection were both white dudes from like Alabama and some other place. I, I know the one was from Alabama because his nickname was Bama. So the, you just, that, that fact hit me right there. That was like the first moment in my life. I didn't really see it fully for what it was, but it, in reflection, it informed so much about the fact that there was some privilege that was extended to me maybe because I was the same race as the people who were selecting or whatever. But really, I probably wasn't the right person to, to be selected to lead it first. Uh, he, he was more qualified on all of the standards and criteria that they laid out for us. So when I got into business uh, after my career in the military and I, I was 
really looking at what it means to create a dynamic team. I was looking at homogenized teams around me, people, you know, all male teams or maybe all Caucasian teams or, you know, nobody who has any disability on a team. And, and I'm thinking like, wow, you know, what's this, this looks different than what I'm used to. And why is this happening? And I, and it made me reflect back to that moment in boot camp where I went, I was selected for something when I wasn't really the right guy. I was the result. I, I resulted in getting a benefit from my privilege. I didn't choose my skin color. I didn't choose my gender. Uh, I was born with those things. So why do I get a benefit because of that? So that really started getting me think about how you build teams that bring people together because everybody has strengths. Everybody has ways to build a community where other people feel like they belong. They have a voice and it's diverse by nature, it's going, diversity by nature is going to be an advantage because you're going to have more perspectives, more insights, and more background than, you know, a homogenized team is going to have. So for me, that was really the catalyst then. And like I said, I wrote about it in the book, that was the catalyst to doing all the work I did for all the time I, I worked in the corporate sector. And then eventually all that work in the corporate sector is what led me to go, you know, I, I really believe that this is something that we can continue to make bigger and bolder out in the world to help others create that sense of belonging and the competitive advantages and personal advantages that come along with it. I, you know, I, it's, you know, to me it's crazy. Um, I come from such a diverse background, um, you know, white, black, uh, uh, Arab, uh, you name it, uh, my family has it, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's um, to me, it's like you know, I have you know, family members that look like me, family members that look like you. I got you know, uh, grandmother with blue eyes, and uh, um, I have cousins with blue eyes. Um, I have yeah. you know, blonde cousins, black cousins, uh, you know, Mexican-looking cousins. Everyone like <laughs> we just have it all. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just to me, it's like, you know, to see that, um, you know, that to this day, we still do some certain things, you know, you know, from a profiling based on privilege, based on race, based on, 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 on reasons that don't necessarily make sense. I think diversity has to be, you know, passed beyond the, um, you know, our standard, you know, way of describing diversity, which means like, oh, you know, have a multi, you know, have a rainbow of people. Um, yeah, well, you're talking about the, the optics <laughs> yeah, diversity, the optics right? of like, diversity. Yeah, but yeah, I also hey, think yeah, of we- like, you know, um, let's, let's not, let's get diversity based on talent, like. Intellectual, have, cognitive yeah. diversity. Yeah, the ability exactly. to bring different skills. The exactly. ability example, to bring different perspectives. Your, your, um, your example, um, you know, it was a double win for your for your superiors, for the people in charge of selecting whatever they were selecting. That was a double win. That was a visual uh, win on the diversity scale, and then it was a it was a, a win on the underlying scale that made the team better because the person was so much more more prepared and advanced, like you described, and. So to me, I think that you know, if I, if I'm a if I'm a business owner, um, I'm I'm taking that double win anytime. Yeah, right. Regardless of how racist I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so and and that's that's really where the 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 
the hardest work is done in my work in, in helping create the sense of belonging. The hardest work that gets done is in eliminating the single win mentality of optics, right? Which, which can exist. And then second is, um, is getting to that layer where, I mean, there are countless, countless examples that I could share of businesses or individuals who run businesses who just don't get that there is value in a diversity of thought, a diversity in experience and a diversity in background because they go, well, we, we have to be politically correct. So we have to have our, our diversity stuff down. So we have that. Look at our, look at our leadership team. Now we have a rainbow, right? And the, the, the toughest part about that is it's, it's disrespectful and almost degrading to those people who are um, under your care, all of them, doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, because you're not actually honoring anybody as a person and what, what as people we can contribute. Um, you're simply honoring optics, honoring not trying to get bad press. I mean, whatever it is, fill in the blank. So what's the opposite side of that? How do you, how do you cross that threshold into actually seeing and understanding that it matters? And for me, in the work that we do, it really boils down to one thing. And that is having a belief and understanding in your mind that um, there is nothing more powerful than everybody working together, collaborating together, which means you have to have shared purpose. And so that's where we start, shared and aligned value and purpose. Um, and suddenly the rest starts to unfold from there. Um, so if you're trying to chase a result or chase an, a, a measurement um, without that shared purpose, you may get that measurement, but you're never going to get the benefit of what that measurement is designed to provide. Yeah. No, um, there, there is so like, there's so many ways that, that we can take this into like, you know, like, you know, direct them. Uh, I, 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 I worry for the, for the new batch of, of entrepreneurs. And this is why, mm -hmm. you know, having someone like you on the show is something that I wanted to, to, to do. Um, the reason being is because um, young entrepreneurs tend to look at other entrepreneurs and other mm -hmm. leaders for, for um, kind of like direction and, and kind of inspiration as to how they're going to run their business and how, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. You know, I'm going to be like an Elon Musk or, or, uh, you know, Warren Buffett or, you know, uh, Bill Gates or any, you know, other. Um, you just named three white dudes. I did. Yeah. And uh, it's about, just saying. you know, <laughs> that's I told you, you know, it doesn't matter how racist I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the reality um, is that those no, people but, you are successful. Know, we can, and, and, and they run successful businesses because they have successful processes yeah. and every one of them creates and intentionally creates diversity and not just the, the portfolio that they have, yeah. but in I mean, the people that, that lead um, and support these visions that they, they brought. So for me, it's important to kind of like, you know, showcase to, 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 to these young entrepreneurs that you know, there is value in, in other, in, in, in just understanding that it there's more to to building a team than you know than focusing on the optics of like especially when you when you when you're growing as a company when you're 
let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're like you get funded right and 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 then all of a sudden you're like the, the hottest startup in in the in your city or in, in in the u.s or you know around the world you're like you mm-hmm. know, the next the next big thing right and and now you have to you know now it comes the reality of like oh shit now it has to be politically correct and everything like i can't just say this and that because like you know i don't want to you know piss off the board of investors i don't want to you know say the wrong thing and get bad press you mean or, don't go on joe rogan's podcast and smoke pot is that what you're saying <laughs> Oh no! I, I you know I, I'm on the other side. Go on the Joe Rogan podcast, smoke okay, a lot perfect. of pot, and because that's where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, I, I don't smoke pot frequently. I've done it, and you know, um, I used to do it a lot more than I do now. But <laughs> honestly, um, if I say I do now, it's like it's been, I don't know. I think a few months. I did it once, and it was like three years before that I have done it before that it's like um but at the same time it's um it's one of those things that um if you are uniquely transparent and if you are uniquely truthful to who you are as a person you should never hide you know what you do and this could this this will allow you to build teams that share those same same values and and you'll focus on the people that that will come into your company um based on that and and not on on whether they're going to be seen as you know because there's nothing wrong with having an all-white team there's nothing wrong with having an all-black team there's nothing wrong with you know hiring just uh only indians into your team um it doesn't matter that that is irrelevant so long the value that they bring and the purpose that they serve to your team is there. Yes. Yeah, so think think about it this way. Um, and and let's take this entrepreneur uh, kind of idea. And, and you were talking startup. So when you're building your team to start up your your company, what are you looking for? You're not looking for uh, a group of five or six people that have all of the same skill sets as you. Uh, quite the opposite. You're looking for the people who fill in all the gaps that you don't have, right? Um, and beyond that, you're looking for the people who are going to uh, have that shared aligned purpose with you and, and, and share values with you that are going to help accomplish what the big objective is within their particular set of expertise, the background that they bring, right? So that's a no-brainer. We all get that. If I suck at finances, I'm finding a finance you know, machine to come be part of this. If I suck at marketing, I'm going to find Jay and bring Jay on my team, <laughs> right? But, but um, so we all get that. Intrinsically, we understand the, the, the super important value of bringing people in who have those specific expertises. So then as you're growing your, your business um, or you're growing even just your, your network, I mean, we, we could be there as on. You're not just growing people in one vertical because that would just kill you uh, as a network. I mean, maybe as customers. Sane and foolish. And we all know that intrinsically. So why then um, do a lot of people get to a place and organizations get to a place where they stop valuing that? as much as some of these other pressures, the PC pressures you were talking about. 
Now, by the way, do I also think there's value in saying, I need somebody who has these six core capabilities, who has this aligned value, because that is our value set here. But I also want somebody who has comes with an experience that nobody in this room has, a lived experience, a life background that nobody in this room has. So I'm going to start looking uh, really deliberately and targeting my recruiting to look for people who come from um, maybe a, a different cultural background, one that I think would have power for what we're trying to accomplish, one that I think would have um, interest or ability to, to better interact with or interface with our brand and our customers. So that means it may be racial, it may be gender, it may be gender identity, who knows, but there might be a thing that you go, yeah, you know, I think this would be an important piece of the diversity too. So it's not like, it, it's not this all or nothing. It's not a binary decision. And I feel like that's where a lot of folks are at right now is that, um, that it's binary. It's like, I have to make a decision that's about PC or I'm not going to make a PC decision at all because that's not me and that's not what I do. It's not binary. I think everything has to be something that you evaluate on the merits and each person on the merits of, of them. So for you, it starts as a company, as an entrepreneur at the very beginning saying, very clearly, here's what I believe, here's the culture and the values that I believe our organization, our business, or our brand stands for. And so whether it's hiring decisions or whether it's marketing decisions or whether it's uh, financial um, or business growth decisions, they should all pass the test of the values. They should all pass the test of that purpose. Uh, and if they can't pass the test, you, you need to look for an alternative. So that, that's really what, you know, if I was going to give some advice, that has to be clear from the beginning, because if you try to add that once you have 100 employees, it becomes a lot more difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I do, um, main, main work of my agency is on branding. Um, so we build, you know, company brand guidelines and, and we design brands around, you know, your idea. And uh, the everything starts with your core values and core messaging, right? And and then you expand from there. Okay, uh, we have an idea. We put core values and and you know all that around it, and then we start building the rest. You know, we get a logo that matches these core values, and then you get you know some beautiful things, and you do everything for the brand, right? The same way goes for when you're building. You know, you have the core values around the idea. Now you need to find that talent that matches that core value and 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 people that just you know want to create like I I have an artistic side um, that that it just oozes out of me. Like I love you know painting, I love taking photos and making videos, I love um um, I hate editing videos. Love making them. I don't want someone to say, oh, but you never post any videos. I'm like, yeah, because I hate editing. Um, um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, and then music. Music is like my my thing that it's, it's literally what fuels my brain and also what pains it too, because my brain is at a, you know, 7,000 RPMs all day. So, yep. Um, whenever I need to like, I just, you know, plug in, listen to music. Uh, also, actually, the, the, the only time where I don't feel I belong is when I start singing. Because um, my friends all run away. And, <laughs> or just tell me to shut up. Because uh, I do. Oh, 
my musical talent is completely non-existent. You have a great musical talent, like a, you, a talent for listening to music. You exactly. are an I expert and, at that. And only not only that, recognizing great music as well. Um, oh, perfect. So yeah, you're an expert but, at recognizing great music. Perfect. But my physical musical talent, like playing yeah. a guitar or... Um, Forget about it. Oh, or singing. Like you just tone deaf. Okay. Excellent. In my car and in my shower, I sound like John Legend. Of course. But, you know, to other people, it's, you know, a parrot that's being choked. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rough image I, you just gave there. Mm, okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Like, um, and it's like one of the things like, I suffer from. Like, it, 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 it gives me anxiety. It like fucks my mental health because I, I kind of like, I, I really wish I was like, you know, the lead singer or guitarist of a rock band because like I'm super talented, something that I love so much, which is music. And um, I actually think that there are two things that keep you alive, air and music. I like that. You know, and, I like that. And that's, uh, you know, like to me, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's important. Now, let me ask you a question, just, you know, you have a very interesting, this is, this took a little bit of a turn that I didn't think we were going to go into with the podcast, but I, I'm loving it at a hundred percent. And I just want to kind of end the, uh, um, the recording here with this question. For the, for the people that are building um, and that are building teams and that are trying to find the people that matches that um, those core values and those benefits, how do we, how do we, also keep it up so that the people that come in are consistently motivated uh, are free to speak from whenever the you know the thing the job gets harder and and things get more difficult so um and the pressure of like you know building a company comes yeah. along and 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 the stress and anxiety and all those things that people might be suffering because like you, you might bring someone with talent but not realize that they might be you know um, um, having some some other stuff in their personal life and stuff like that. How do yeah. we create an environment of openness? How do you know? How do what do you yeah, recommend that, to others on that? That's the big that's the big question, right? Because um, because even if you work your ass off to create this environment of openness, people still have prior experiences of other employers or whatever else where they go, really, can I really talk? Am I going to get in trouble if I say this thing that the boss is not going to want to hear? Or, you know, if I screwed something up and I own up to it instead of just, you know, shoving it under the rug till it gets discovered. Um, those, those things, you know, people bring that with them. And so that's kind of difficult. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that question like this. So there's a CEO of a company called Populous Group. They're based in Portland, Oregon in the U.S., um, his name is Bobby Herrera, and I had the great fortune of getting to uh, speak with Bobby and, and learn from Bobby about several things. And um, he has done a phenomenal job at this within his organization, and it's it's had to evolve over time. It started with this idea that everybody has a voice and everybody can share, and everybody there is no you know boss. I mean, yeah, I'm the boss, but anybody can tell me I'm wrong. Uh, and realized in practice that stuff doesn't always actually happen, uh, even with the best of intentions and telling everybody, hey, you can speak up, you can voice your thing. So the best way that he learned, and it's one that I 
have learned from his example is to live it yourself. When you make a mistake or when you're weighing a heavy decision as a leader, to be open as much as you can. There are certain things, whether it's regulatory or competitiveness or uh, whatever else, or certain things that maybe it's not the right thing, but there are a lot of decisions that as leader you make and things that you're contemplating. Um, and there are mistakes that we make as we're building that are real. And so the idea and the best way to do it is to, to be public about it and to say, Hey guys, so I've been weighing, you know, this decision and I've been thinking about this. And by the way, you know, here's kind of the, the consequences to this decision and here's, here's the payoff. And on the other side, here's the consequences and payoff to, to this other decision. And here's, here's where I've decided. And particularly as you're building, that's relatively easy to do um, because you can communicate and work so closely with people. Now, as you're scaling larger, if you, if you consistently do that, and it's part of your DNA as the leader of this organization, fast forward to when those that you've developed and brought up in the organization are now leading their teams because you're scaling, that is in, built in the exact mindset. And on day one, when they're welcoming new employees at this company, um, it is expressed and shared. And Bobby, as a CEO, comes in and shares some of the experiences he's had and failures he's had and decisions he's made uh, from day one. And he says, you know, many of these things wouldn't have happened if I would have been better at being able to let people give their feedback if they see something or they have an idea or whatever to, to share that and bring that forward. So again, it's all about what happens kind of as at day one. Um, and he still continues that day one mentality, even scaling now to a business with thousands and thousands of employees, because the first day that they're welcomed into the organization, he's sharing these things with them and sharing the importance and value that their voice has. Um, as well as other employees, um, they call them climbers, not employees, because they say they're climbing a mountain together. Uh, they they come in throughout the course of you know, the, the welping process to share some of their own real examples of things as well. So it becomes from the beginning led. And then as you scale and you grow, um, it becomes lived. So it's led first and then it's lived, but you can't ever stop leading. That's the thing. If Bobby suddenly stopped doing that, if he, if he suddenly pulled away as the CEO, even though everybody else has been through it, they're going to follow his example. And they may, the, the ones who maybe feel a little less comfortable they may pull back and then now nobody's doing it. And you think everybody's doing it because you've told everybody to do it and you've showed them in the past how to do it. But if you don't keep leading, um, it, it can all go away no matter how hard you've worked, it really can. That's, uh, that's a perfect response. And I, I, I absolutely love the example. I love the terminology climbers. That's, that's beautiful. That's poetic almost. Um, because it is, it is, yeah. it Check is them out, Bobby Herrera. Yeah, I will, I will check him out for sure. Um, I actually took a note of that. Um, and um, dude, thank you so much <laughs> for being on this show. I mean, I, I know we have a hard stop coming up, but uh, yeah, I just, I yeah, just wanted to say thank you. Uh, uh, you. You've given us so much value right now. Um, I just have one question. Okay. Your script fits you here. What does that this say? Snesselbik Tinares Nebe. That's what it says. Snesselbik to Madres in Ebe. What does that mean? It's it's Czech. So I got this okay. when I was in in uh, in Prague, um, and it says 
I would steal the blue from the sky for you. It's, uh, it's like a, an expression of such devotion, love, and commitment that, that you, I'm so committed that I would take the blue out of the sky just to give it to you. That's kind of romantic, huh? Yeah, yeah. kind of romantic. It's it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's uh, I I love it. I ran across it when my wife and I were in Prague, and we said, "Yeah, that's us. We need to put this into our bodies with ink." So we did. <laughs> Amazing. I love the tooth. I've you know got some myself. And, nice. Uh, um, yeah, no. I just want to say thank you for being on the show. That's uh, I think that's a, a fitting ending right now. Um, <laughs> cool. Like I kept I kept looking at it. Like I seen your your sleeves and all like the stuff, and that one like kind of stands out because it's so different from the rest. And yeah, that's that's the Amsterdam one there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, man, right, it's been it's been a pleasure. I absolutely appreciate it. And uh, for anybody who would love to, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn and um, and help if I can. So Devin Halliday, I'm sure you'll have a link in the show notes, but uh, Devin Halliday, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I would yeah. love to 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 community with all of you. Yeah. When can people find the book? Oh, yeah. So the book is on Amazon um, worldwide and then in the U.S. Um, booksellers um, anywhere as well. So uh, go check it out. You can go to book.belongingfactor.com if you want to get yourself an autographed copy. I personally autograph copies for anybody who gets them from there as well. So happy to send that out. Okay. And that's where I'm going to get my copy. Right. I'm, I'll just send you one, man. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't only to send you where to send it to and, uh, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right.